Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, where today we have the congressman from Florida. Yes, Matt Gates is rejoining us for the first time in a few months. Lots to talk about. Stimulus, COVID, uh, restrictions, um, Russia, and, of course, election integrity. We're going to cover all that with Matt Gates the great Republican congressman from Florida in just a few minutes. Um, now, before we get to him, I wanted to point out a couple of stories today on Just the News that I think are uh, really valuable. They're catching attention. They're generating debate. One of them is a great investigative piece. The other is a poll by our uh, great colleague and pollster, uh, Scott Rasmussen. And Scott Rasmussen asked people, do they believe, Americans, do you believe that the restrictions, the power grab, the government expansion into our personal lives will continue on after the COVID pandemic is over? And a whopping 62% of Americans said yes. That's a super majority said yes. What a uh, remarkable fear that Americans have that mandates to close business, to stay in your home, to uh, shutter your business, uh, keep you from going to large gatherings that they may stick around even after COVID is gone. That is a remarkable finding. And I think it says a lot about the debate in Liberty today. There appears to be a large number of Americans resigned that we're not going to get our freedoms back. We will find out uh, if that's true after this COVID pandemic hits and is over with. Uh, of course, right now we got the vaccines headed out and uh, we'll see what the next few months look like. But we're going to be tracking that sentiment regularly here at Just the News. I think it's an important one. Uh, in the uh, overall thing. Uh, earlier today, Lindsey Graham, the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, he weighed in on some of the uh, disclosures about um, Hunter Biden and uh, concluded that he believes a special counsel should be named uh, to take over the investigation, to give it longevity even after, if and even after, Joe Biden takes the White House on January 20th, a pretty significant development from pretty powerful lawmaker of Congress. I think what could mute this or moot this, I should say moot this, is if an indictment occurred before January 20th. I get the sense that the investigation into Hunter Biden is very advanced. It's maybe in its final stages and that the resolution, the decision to charge or not to charge, could be made before the president leaves, uh, before President Trump leaves office. That's what we're looking to see. And until then, we'll, we'll uh, try to find out. All right, folks, one more important item for you. We have been filing Freedom of Information Act requests all across uh, the country in the disputed election states. And we got our first returns back yesterday. Big news on this. Uh, in the city of Green Bay, uh, where there were a lot of questions, uh, we got documents showing that in order to get its million dollars in money, grant money from the Mark Zuckerberg-funded group, the Center for Tech and Civic Life, that in fact, the city of Green Bay promised, ready for this, that they would conduct voter outreach and voter registration efforts, and not to all Green Bay residents, but with a focus on minority, Hmong, those are Laotian refugees, Somali refugees, African Americans, Hispanic speakers, um, uh, we've talked to several experts. We also talked to the Republican Party chairman, the legal experts and the Republican Party chairman of Wisconsin said this looks like a Democrat get out the vote operation funded using what are supposed to be the neutral arbiters. Yes, the neutral arbiters of elections, our own election officials. Um, Pretty important story. You can read these documents. You can see what the city promised, what the Center for Tech Life, which was funded by $300 million from Mark Zuckerberg, what they wanted. 
a pretty eye-opening and important uh, development on the election integrity front, exclusively obtained by Just the News because we filed Freedom of Information Act requests. My colleague Natalia Middlestat, uh, my colleague Daniel Payne and I, we've filed a whole bunch of these and we're going to start to get documents. I think we're going to have another big story from you tomorrow. This one coming out of Georgia from a FOIA request, so let's keep an eye. All right, we're going to go to commercial break when we come back. Congressman Matt Gates calling in and we're going to have a great conversation with him. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest. Yes, Congressman Matt Gates from Florida is back in the House. We're so glad to have him. Congressman, welcome back to the show. Good to be back with you, John. You know, I, I miss our visits in the green rooms uh, of television networks. It's now hard, isn't it? Is, yeah. I think, you know, I, I, I got more intelligence sometimes out of the conversations in those green rooms than I got out of witnesses in the House Judiciary Committee. So, uh, <laughs> it's I, an amazing I, thing, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I do miss him, too. I think everybody misses that human contact. Hopefully 2021 will be the year we get back in touch with everybody. Uh, I miss him, too. All right. So there's so much to talk. I don't even know where to start. But let me start with the one that's one of our our favorites, and that is the Russia collusion narrative and the unraveling of it. Um, It's been many months now since you and all the other great members in Congress were able to get the evidence into the public. Bill Barr will be leaving next week. We've got a single criminal charge. When you look out... Has there been enough accountability and what needs to happen to get to the point where you'll feel satisfied? Uh, I sense that I will be forever unsatisfied with uh, the lack of action against the people who perpetrated this terrible crime against our country and against the presidency and against the president. I mean, you think about these people, at the Department of Justice, who converted from being, you know, those enforcing rule of law to political operatives. And what's interesting, John, is that we know that every agency in Washington, D.C., they do favors for their friends and they go after their critics. That's how an agency grows its power, whether it's the EPA or the Department of Commerce or the Department of Agriculture. Those agencies are chalked with people helping their friends and kind of going after their enemies. And then we want to convince ourselves that the Department of Justice is somehow exempt from that, that they're different in government. And the reality is they may be the most political and the most dangerous because they have the ability to target people like they did in the case of President Trump and some of his allies, or they have the ability to kind of rat hole things and look the other way, like I suspect we may see with 
Hunter Biden and uh, the other foreign entanglements uh, with the Biden family. And I think it goes well beyond Hunter Biden. But I think there's that there's that push and pull of, you know, the power of the Department of Justice. We certainly over these last four years have seen that in its in its most extreme manifestation. And while I give credit, cre- you know, Bill Barr an A plus when it comes to, I think, uh, getting the Mueller report out, making the determinations that Mueller didn't make. I don't know that you could give him as high a marks when you look at the cleaning out of some of the political influence at the Department of Justice and the true draining of the swamp over in the J. Edgar Hoover building as well. That really may be the legacy of the Trump administration was the inability to uh, get some of the um, resistance out of their agencies and get everybody rowing in the same direction. I mean, I've had people who've looked at the evidence who are former prosecutors, former FBI agents saying, listen, a first year law student could make five or six indictments out of just what's been made public. And God knows what they have in the grand jury. And yet we've just had one plea deal with one you know, mid-level FBI lawyer. What do you think happened? How does a guy that's as smart and as committed and as conservative as, as Bill Barr, how did he fail to get more accountability out of a, you know, a pretty clear preponderance of evidence, preponderance of evidence that the FBI participated in a political dirty trick? Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, we had a lot of confidence uh, in, you know, the appointments that we saw along the way. We thought, oh, well, uh, Huber is being appointed to right. look at what went wrong. Well, I never really heard Nothing much there. Well, yeah. Durham, Durham's been appointed. And like, you know, the, the notion that we're going to get accountability going forward is is really, you know, difficult to believe because if, if you know, you've got the left-wing woketopians that ever get their hands on the Department of Justice, uh, there's not going to be any interest in these questions that you raise that are of importance to your listeners. Uh, it'll be all about, you know, hunting the scalps of the Trump family and yeah. members of the Trump administration, uh, and, and it'll be uh, a weaponizing of the Department of Justice mm. uh, far more so than we even saw during Donald Trump's presidency. Uh, and I think that should concern all Americans. But but the, you know, the questions as to why it didn't occur, I, you know, at the end of the day, folks like Bill Barr and Trey Gowdy, they are institutionalists at their core. You know, I mean, they, they do believe yeah, they that, trust well, that the institutions will do the right thing. Right. They did. And, and I think that when the institution went out of bounds, you know, uh, Bill Barr did what he could to provide the right context for the Mueller report. But I don't think that his goal really was ever to go in there and uh, and, and really root the place out of the politics that seems to have toxified the investigation and prosecution process. Yeah, that's a great point. It really is. I mean, these are big institutions with a lot of embedded people. And it's amazing how mid-level embedded people can have more power, sometimes wield more power than the top officer in the cabinet for that agency like Bill Barr. It does look like he got thwarted. I, okay, I can, what, do you make, John, yeah. what do you make out of the fact that at this cabinet meeting that just occurred, uh, no member, for, nobody from the Department of Justice even showed up. It was remarkable, right? Yeah, uh, that, that's, I just heard that, and I, you know, fell off my chair. It, um, you know, there's a lot of dysfunction, a lot of concern about what's going on, and um, there was a lot of great rhetoric, right? I mean, Bill Barr said the things that matched the evidence, but we ultimately judge people by the actions that they got done, and he clearly didn't get this mission done. Now, I continue to hear that there are four or five targets who have not been interviewed. 
uh, that uh, continue to remain under threat of indictment. But as you said, if it isn't done by January 20th, it's never going to get done, perhaps in, in, a, in a different uh, Biden-run Justice Department. Let me, let me flip to Biden, because uh, a year or two ago, you and I and many other people were being mocked because we dared to ask questions about Hunter Biden and his foreign business deals and the Ukrainian deal. And now, post 2020 election, we find out all these things. He was under investigation for two years. There are tax issues. The State Department saw conflicts of interest. The State Department reported not once, but twice that Burisma Holdings in Ukraine made bribery payments while Hunter Biden was on the board. Um, Start with the media, because if the media had done its job two years ago, we wouldn't be at this sudden discovery uh, point now. And it seems from early polling, maybe Joe Biden would have had a chance of winning either. But what do you think about the media's coverage? And then what do you think about what's been going on in the justice and congressional oversight realm? Well, I have a very low bar for the media. I really think they are the enemy of the people. I mean, it, literally my chapter in my book, Firebrand yes. on the Media, is entitled Enemy of the People. Yeah. And, and the, the problem, though, is not just that they didn't cover the story. It was This wasn't a bad editorial decision. Right. It was that the media took an offensive position. They did. Against Called the Russian disinformation. Oh, we, you know, yes, that's right. You know, you were in the pockets of the Ukrainians. Yeah. I was called Vladimir Putin's lawyer yes. by Eric Swalwell, of, of all people. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jim Jordan, Mark Meadows, all of us. Maybe his Chinese handler gave him that word. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, the, 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 uh, the willingness of the media and their allies in Silicon Valley yeah. to target those of us who, uh, you know, we're just telling the truth about legitimate concerns. But like, here's my question. How political is the decision at the FBI and the Justice Department to sit on this information, not just in the pendency leading up to the election, right. during the impeachment? Uh, that's where it was relevant. Like it's Bill Barr that's it's exculpatory evidence. Him. Yeah. <laughs> it, it literally was a uh, show would have been a showstopper during yeah. the impeachment process yeah. from the Department of Justice and the FBI to say, actually, these concerns about illegal business activities with the Bidens and improper revenue from Burisma, uh, this is all something that we, in fact, are looking into. And remember when in the president's perfect call, he said, hey, you know, talk to Bill Barr about this. Right. Well, it may have been that, 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 that you know, the president was, in fact, facilitating a, a direct goal of the Justice Department and the FBI, and yet they made it seem like some sort of shakedown. So I, I think that, like, like, who over at the FBI and the Justice Department knew that they were investigating yep. Hunter Biden, Burisma, improper revenue, and they also were watching the president getting impeached for the very same thing, and everyone was just, like, you know, mute over there. Yeah. That, that, that is pretty telling about how political they've become. And, you know, remember, and I know you know this, but our listeners just have to be reminded this time again, the reason the House Democrats impeached the president was on the grounds that there was no basis, no basis, except Russian disinformation to ask for an investigation of Hunter Biden. It turns out there was a million bases for, uh, for asking for it. This would have been the ultimate exculpatory evidence for the Trump uh, defense team. It would have completely blown up the Democratic case and... Uh, someone in the Justice Department sat on a very big secret, and uh, you really have to wonder whether the rules of civil discovery uh, were, were and, or the rules of discovery were violated by the Justice Department by keeping this quiet. Certainly, what our country went through 
uh, was a, a terrible distraction and was awful. Remember, we could have been, you know, getting in better position for coronavirus, but right. Nancy Pelosi had the House, you know, wrapped up in impeachment and the Senate was conducting their trial. It was it was a terrible thing for our nation to go through. My concern, John, is that the, the Hunter Biden uh, globe trotting with international business deals is like not some novel scandal. Nope. It's the normal course of business. It is. In it's Washington. the swamp. And frequently in the U.S. Senate, right? I mean, yeah. like the reason the U.S. Senate was never going to hold some hearing on Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and foreign entanglements is that they were all, uh, not all, but there are many over there who were worried that they'd be throwing stones from glass houses. And there's not a lot of folks over there real interested in having deep dives into all their familial revenue sources. Right. And so uh, I think that that tells us a lot, not just about the Bidens, but about the corrupt nature of our politics. Yeah, no, it, it, you're exactly right. Uh, there's probably 20 or 30 sitting senators that had their own little concerns about uh, going too far down this path. And that's why, you know, the power of oversight is so low exercise now. There's one of the great gifts that the founding fathers gave Congress was the ability to keep an eye on the government. And um, with the exception of Chuck Grassley and Ron Johnson in the Senate, and a little bit of Lindsey Graham, not a lot, but a little bit. And then uh, you you guys in the House, you know, Jim Jordan, y- yourself, for sure, um, the Mark Meadows and when he was in there, and Devin Nunez and a handful of others. Um, uh, no one was exercising that power when there were, you know, magnanimous questions of abuse uh, uh, right in front of us. It's um, pretty remarkable. I think people have to look back and demand more of their lawmakers, I think. Uh, you know, we would always, you know, half joke to one another, but it's not really a joke because it's true that Judicial Watch uh, had more of an ability to expose scandal and get accountability from our government than the Department of Justice, the FBI, and, you know, several oversight committees in, in the Congress combined. It's so true. Tom Fenton does such a great job. He does more oversight than most of the oversight committees. You know, time and again, I, I, these are amazing things. Um, over the last month or two, I, I filed three or four lawsuits with the Southeastern Legal Foundation to get documents in Ukraine, and I've been getting some pretty interesting ones over the last, you know, three, four months. And time and again, I would go to the Trump defense team uh, from impeachment or the oversight committees, Ron Johnson, and they would say, unbelievably, I subpoenaed this like a year ago. I didn't get it. I didn't get it. And you know, four or five times you say, I didn't get it. And you start to realize the, the federal executive agencies kept valuable, meaningful, responsive documents, evidence from from uh, lawful committees that had the right to do it or from lawyers who had the right to have it in discovery. Uh, it goes back to that deep state. It shows you how powerful that, that permanent bureaucracy is. It's, it's, it's remarkable. Yeah, I mean, and, and your jaw drops when you hear that. Then you think, you know, the deputy attorney general was sitting around saying he'd wear a wire on the president yes. to try to, like, execute on a coup to remove him. So is it really hard to believe that when the deputy attorney general, Rod Rosenstein, is saying those things about right. like literally wearing a wire on the president, that some of the people who work for him wouldn't say, well, you know, maybe we don't really have to produce this or, well, maybe it's OK if somebody under us changes a little evidence. And, well, maybe it's OK if we kind of don't disclose to a secret court that we know that all this stuff is, you know, the consequence of lies and liars. Right. I mean, you know, it, it, it all sort of falls into place when you look at uh, and how powerful those folks have become. Now, if Joe Biden does take office on January 20th, handicap for me the political um, power he has, the lack of power, the complications he has. He's got a smaller majority in the House, right? He's got a son that could be indicted, uh, and he has a left wing that doesn't well, seem to like anything he's done already. You and, I, 
you and I both know his son's not going to be indicted uh, if Joe if Joe Biden becomes president because there's no person over at the Department of Justice who thinks that the way to make their career in the Biden presidency. So you think Hunter Biden will walk? Totally. Or wow. it'll be some like negotiated deal, some yeah, settlement of funds, maybe a little maybe a little house probation. But I mean, Hunter Biden is not going to face any consequence, uh, and and that's I mean that's how that place works over there. Wow. I mean, that, you know, we all need to we all need to get wise to that when it comes to what Joe Biden's going to be doing. Look, Joe Biden and Hunter and the whole Biden family, they are most comfortable when plowing American cash into Europe. The relationships in the world that Joe Biden values the most are the relationships in European countries. And so what you're going to see is a substantial amount of threat construction around Russia to justify using Investment, US huh? tax dollars. Uh, to use U- yep to use U.S. tax dollars to go plow into like NATO expansion programs for Macedonia or wherever, uh, so that uh, so that those guys can can kind of keep the operation running. I th- I think that's going to be the initial foreign policy goal of the Biden presidency is to get more American cash into more European deals, whether that's NATO, whether that's the Paris Climate Accord. Um, you know, whether that's some kind of re-engagement with uh, the globalist organizations like the World Health Organization, right. he's going to be a, a man on the move with the American dollar to flash. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And um, uh, that is the dynamic. I mean, the, the return of globalism is going to be obvious, already is obvious in the, in the people he's picked for his team. Uh, who clearly all um, subscribe to the global institutions and, and uh, uh, denounce the America first approach that the Trump campaign has taken. Um, election integrity. You've had a lot to say on this, but I'd love to get your current thinking about what the courts did or didn't do uh, and what is the next step. I mean, obviously, Republicans aren't going to let this up. Donald Trump's going to let it up because there's still 2022, 2024 to be thinking about. Uh, what's your take on, on the current state of these investigations, revelations, irregularities, and what does everyone need to do to get more complete answers and assurance that the next election won't run like 2020? Well, big picture, we need to establish an organization like the Democrats have with Eric Holder mm-hmm. to go and fight at the state and local level for people to get into, you know, um, the, the right spots for, you know, secretaries of state positions, um, for, you know, supervisor of elections positions, because what they figured out is you don't have to focus as much on why people vote if you control how people vote. Great point. And in places where elections of election officials had discretion on things like signature match at the local level or on things like consent decrees at the state level, like we saw in Georgia, or in Pennsylvania, where they just totally go off off the rocker with a mail-in voting system that was an invitation for fraud. You see, we need people in, in positions that are relevant, not just because of you know what favor they can do for the corporate Republican elite, but for what they can do for election integrity Such and the value of, I mean, of let, the vote. That, that is the big picture solution. Right. I mean, well, you know, if you have a state and they got a secretary of state on the ballot and an attorney general on a ballot on the ballot, well, the Republican running for attorney general gets a whole lot of love from, you know, Fortune 100 Republican world. Right. right? And Eric Holder and Barack Obama understood the importance of getting on the other side of that and and getting into those secretary of state races. And and they were precise and they were effective. Mm -hmm. And it was devastating to the validity of the vote. Um, 
in terms of where we stand now, I think it was very telling uh, in the Homeland Security uh, Committee hearing that we saw recently in the yep, Senate. Right, yep, that, Ron Johnson. Uh, yep, yep, led by Ron Johnson, great American. But even Rand Paul, one of my favorite senators, my good friend, he said the election was stolen. Yep. So I don't know if that means Rand is gearing up to join uh, House members in an objection or whether was stolen in the past tense says, you know, this is something that has happened. The theft has occurred. Uh, I believe that this will go down in history as a failure of Article Three courts. You see, the media wanted to portray the legal action in this case as a series of losses for the Trump campaign because they didn't have the evidence. Right. The reality is we didn't have the chance for an evidentiary hearing. That's right. You know, when we wanted full evidentiary Couldn't hearing, get standing. we got that opportunity on the sufficiency of the pleadings, right? Which just means that a court is choosing to not exercise its jurisdiction based on the remedies that are sought. Uh, and I think it, it, is, it is really a failure of, of the Article Three courts that no court st- stood up and said, okay, I am here to have a full evidentiary review uh, and then make make findings of fact and conclusions of law. That didn't happen. Uh, such a great point. And I've heard that from so many um, everyday Americans. Right? Where are the courts? I mean, wh- I thought we had a chance to make our case before you dismiss it and we don't get a chance to make our case. There was some very strong sentiments in the American public. I want to zero in on one issue that occurred long before you and I were in the positions we are today. But uh, it has a profound effect. And we just did a poll on it. And I couldn't believe the results. But um, it's been law for more than a half century that only citizens in America can vote. And that is obviously derived from the interpretation of the Constitution. But in 1993, when Bill Clinton came and he slipped into an omnibus, the Democrats did a bill that says a, an election worker, a poll worker, cannot lawfully ask for someone's citizen proof, prove that you're a citizen when you're coming in to register or vote. So basically, the ability to enforce only citizens can vote uh, has been taken away at the at the level. And, you know, in 1993, it wasn't as consequential as it is today, because now we have same day registration in a lot of states. Um, is there any interest in Congress in going back and taking that 93 law off the books and in uh, getting not only voter ID checks, but also citizen checks? Well, refusing to allow citizen checks is a tool that since that time in the 90s, was actually redeployed in Obamacare. Remember, there was a simple question, yeah. right? Like, is Obamacare going to illegal aliens? And Obama said, no. It says in the law that if you're illegal, uh, you don't get Obamacare. But the, re- the practical reality is that when people went to sign up on exchanges, they, they were not going to be asked whether they were legally in the country or not, yeah. right? And they yeah. weren't going to Such be a, a good a point. I forgot about that. You're right. Right. So it's literally that you can track the exact same strategy from the Democrats. And so if you if you look forward as they try to execute on universal basic income and any other number of the Woketopian policy choices, you'll see a, a, a dichotomy between, you know, what they say and then what the function of law is. And I absolutely think that, you know, at the state level, uh, we still have the ability to push back against that with ID laws. Uh, And then if you strengthen the ID system, like we have in Florida, you're able to root out a lot of the illegal alien voting still. So there is still a play for states that want to run clean elections. But in places like California, where, by the way, we flipped a number of seats back to to Republican, I think Kevin McCarthy deserves a lot of credit for that. What Um, what an election strategy they ran. 
Right. But, but I mean, look at that. I mean, if you can have a left wing state that essentially in these, you know, purple or red leaning districts, uh, they're able to pollute the balloting process with the votes of illegal aliens. And there's no real recourse when that happens. Now you've got a narrow house, so the Democrats only have a few seats advantage. Do you, uh, does the Republican caucus try to come in with an election bill that forces Democrats to take a position on things like getting all votes counted on election day, uh, citizen and voter ID checks? Uh, do, do you push the issue in 2021? Because, you know, a few of those centrist conservative Democrats might might cross over in the, uh, because of their political interests. I think you're overly optimistic about that, John. If you're a centrist <laughs> Democrat, yep. the thing you want most is the ability to get your district a little bit bluer That's with a point. whatever illegal voting, dead voting, fraud voting. You know, you, you want as many votes as you can get in those cemetery precincts. If you're, uh, <laughs> I had heard that before, cemetery precincts. That's good. Yeah. But it'll be a management challenge for Nancy Pelosi with a with a slim majority. And, uh, you know, she is a very capable, hardworking tactician. Uh, she knows how to keep her caucus together. And this may be one of the greatest political challenges she has. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Last question for because I know you're going to get going. But um, what is next for you? What are you going to be focusing on in the next six months? I mean, you have a big megaphone now. You have a great podcast. I listen to it all the time. Um, uh, you, you have, you know, uh, people are always going to you for advice and, in 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 uh, inspiration, quite frankly, when Republicans are down, you're often the guy that has that inspiration to, to get back in there. What, what are you focusing on in the next six months? What's important to you and what's important to America for you? Well, there is still a movement in this country that believes in America first, that believes we put our people first, that we don't send them to endless foreign wars without reason or strategy, that we don't hollow out our towns with bad trade deals, that we don't uh, allow our our country uh, to fall into a state of squalor for any reason. And uh, while, you know, President Trump uh, may be in a different position to lead that movement, he's still going to need people animating the movement, showing how the policies of America First can help our country live, you know, help our people live better lives, help our wages rise, uh, help our productivity lead the world. So, you know, I still believe that, that America is the greatest country in the world. But I think that the way we've got to stay there is by being the best version of ourselves, not being the world's policeman, not being the world's piggy bank, not being dead money in international deals for the benefit of others. Uh, I believe that as strongly as I did when President Trump came here. And I think from whatever perch uh, we all find ourselves, We've got to make sure that we continue to animate that movement. That's a great point. Well, we're going to be watching and chronicling that in real time here at Just the News and at John Solomon Reports. Congressman, I can't thank you for all the time. You've always been gracious to us. We learn so much from you, and uh, I'm always uh, I'm always interested to know what the next thing you're working on because it usually becomes a trend pretty quickly. So uh, thank you again. We wish you a, a very blessed Christmas and um, look forward to talking to you again after the new year. All right. Merry Christmas to you too, John. Take care. Take care. All right, folks, we're going to come back in a few seconds and wrap things up for the day. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition 
the way nature intended. When I began taking a hard look at why I wasn't feeling good and why I felt unhealthy, why I was gaining weight, why I was losing energy, it wasn't just because I had hit my 50s. No, it was because I wasn't getting the right amount of fruit and vegetables in my diet. And listen, it's, I'm just too busy to go to the store, clean up the vegetables, cook uh, uh, vegetable dinners, and make sure I hit the fruit. A field of greens stepped in. One scoop of powder in my drink or on my eggs in the morning, and boom, I was off and feeling better. And suddenly, I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down, and my weight went down. And my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you 100% money back guarantee. Now, you're going to get 15% off your first order plus free rush shipping because of the incredible partnership we have here at Just the News with Brick. House Nutrition, and, of course, Field of Greens. All you got to do to take advantage of this offer, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Don't wait. Go to fieldofgreens.com today. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS for 15% off. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out. Higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it, with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friend, who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group. Text Just News to 989898 right now. All right, folks, we just finished another edition of John Solomon Reports. I had such a blast talking to Congressman Matt Gates. There's always ideas, always energy, always a, a clarity. You never doubt where Matt Gates stands on an issue. And you heard some pretty strong words today about where Bill Barr succeeded, where Bill Barr failed. He's a guy that doesn't think Hunter Biden is going to have to pay any consequence, even though he thinks he should. Uh, he doesn't seem to think there's going to be any more accountability in the Russia case. Um, he's always uh, clear, uh, concise, and on on point about what he thinks. And uh, we love having him on the show. I hope you enjoyed that as well. If you get a chance, check out that story about Wisconsin and Green Bay. We think it's a very important one. Uh, basically, a wealthy oligarch in America. Uh, if we can call him that, uh, Mark Zuckerberg. And again, I give Mark Zuckerberg a lot of credit for building an incredible business empire. I admire people that can build things that are lasting and, and powerful. But when it comes to the point now that someone with his wealth can bypass the political donation process, he can donate as much as he wants in politics, and now begin to pay the election judges, the election decision makers, the election coordinators uh, with money and set rules I need X amount of people registered, X amount of people voting, X amount of precincts open, X amount of mobile boxes. That's what we've been able to chronicle in the last month. 
Uh, I think we all have to stop and say, is that the America that we intended to build? Did we really intend for um, wealthy people to go beyond influencing campaigns and candidates? They can do that with their donations. The courts are clear about that. The law is clear about that. But now they can influence what are supposed to be the neutral arbiters of elections, election officials at the city, local, state level. Some pretty eye-opening revelations in the documents that we obtained under our FOIA in Green Bay. We have many more of these coming in in the next few days. We're going to break more stories. I think we're going to have one tomorrow on Georgia. There's a hint for you. Check it out. We might have some news tomorrow. Uh, but for all this, go to justinnews.com whenever you can. Stay up to speed. We'll be putting out tweets and Facebook and, and news alerts as as you need to be. Uh, and uh, we thank you for your support. Uh, one last thing, as I always want to say, as we end into the final stretches of 2020, what a cataclysmic year that's been. Um, if you want to do something to support Just the News or um, J- John Solomon reports, one thing you can do is to support them. A wonderful, amazing, incredible advertisers, sponsors, supporters of John Solomon Reports and Justin News. You just heard from him in the commercial break. You're going to hear from him one more time as we close out today. They are the heroes that make this journalism possible. I'm so grateful for their support. And whether it's Kansas City uh, Steaks or Clean Phone Pro or uh, the new wine club that we're working with, I'm so excited by all of them. Listen to them, support them. Let them know that you support their services and their products because they support our journalism. That would mean a lot to me as a Christmas gift, as a New Year's gift. We love our advertisers and we're forever grateful. All right, folks, have a wonderful night. If you're in the Northeast, I know you're digging out from snow, uh, but uh, it makes it look a little Christmassy, so it's not that bad. And while you're digging out of snow, we're going to be digging in for some new evidence and new uh, stories on Hunter Biden and Russia election, Russia collusion, accountability, and, of course, the Election Integrity Project, where we've had 30 different reporters out and about working on projects. All right. God bless you. God bless America. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from justthenews.com. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it, with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friend, who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now.